Hello, everyone. Uh, just give me a second here. Having technical difficulties. Uh, so, got to share this to a couple pages real quick. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, welcome to Rising Warriors. This is Rachel Coulet, uh, owner of Zemi Wellness Center and Indigenous Sovereignty. And today I wanted to talk about the power of self-healing and um, kind of give you a little bit of a background about me. Um, I am a cancer survivor uh, four times uh, first time I had cancer was when I was six years old. Um, I had a tumor on my chest and, um, I was actually supposed to get that removed surgically. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I actually, um, was supposed to go into surgery and, uh, one night before surgery, um, we had a ceremony and uh, my family and I prayed and my mom asked me if I believed that creator could uh, take my cancer from me and that I wouldn't have to um, have surgery and that I would be healed. And so I remember I just had just all of this faith that I just knew with everything that I was going to wake up and the cancer was going to be gone and I wasn't going to have to have surgery. And, um, next thing, you know, I woke up the next morning and the tumor, it was in the center of my chest right here, um, was completely gone. Um, I still remember the phone call clear as day. Um, my mom calling the, um, doctors and telling them that I didn't need to, come in and do surgery and they I remember her, them telling her that um she was afraid and that she didn't want me to have surgery and uh she, they were just like I just remember like ma'am you just need to bring your daughter in um we understand this is a scary thing but we've got professionals and everything's under control and you know we're here and she's like no seriously her cancer's gone the tumor's gone and, and they're like, no, just, you know, just bring her in. She's like, okay, fine. I'll just bring her in. And I went in there and, um, they ran me through all these different MRIs, uh, CT scans, x-rays, uh, blood imaging or blood draws. And, uh, um, it was, there was like 36 doctors, uh, from the whole hospital that was in the facility in this room, just all just, uh, stumped and dumbfounded by this miracle that happened. Um, how three days prior to the surgery, there was this huge, massive tumor on the center of my chest. And then all of a sudden day of surgery, it's gone. So that started off with this when I was six, you know, this sense of um, faith and knowing that we have the ability to um, heal ourselves. 
And so fast forward, um, I was uh, 18, 19, and I was diagnosed with uh, cervical cancer. And same thing again, um, doctors wanted to do surgery, wanted to give me a hysterectomy, uh, wanted to do chemo radiation, but I refused all of that. And so um, it ended up being that uh, just over time and through herbs and through my faith, that cancer and, and eventually healed itself too. Then by the time I was 24, I was diagnosed with liver cancer and um, that one was caused from so many pharmaceuticals that I was having to take at that time. And so um, I remember I was trying to prove a point to my mom um, that medical or uh, herbs and medical marijuana um, really help heal the body and cancer and she didn't really believe me because of the western mindset of um things of you know you know marijuana is a drug um so i stopped taking all my medical marijuana and over time um it was like three four months that went by i started with zero medications pharmaceuticals and then all of a sudden over a three four month period I was on 30 different medications I was taking every day. And then about four months later, five months later, I was diagnosed with liver cancer. And my doctor looked at me and she was like, what were you doing before you, um, uh, you know, took all of these pain, these medica medications and pain medicines and uh, just all these, there's so many medications. And I just looked at her and I said, I was taking herbal medicines and um, I was, you know, using um, medical marijuana, um, eating it, and I was using the oils from it to help fight cancer. And so she was like off the book. Uh, I can't really tell you this, but I advise you to uh, go back to what you were doing beforehand and um, then uh, slowly take yourself off of all of these things. And I remember I was going into Sundance that year, and uh, that summer, and um, I took that that prayer into Sundance of, you know, really wanting to make sure I was doing the right thing and not um, destroying my body and what the true you know purpose of this this healing herb um that was placed here on this earth and so i went in there into that ceremony for four days and when i came back out i knew that i just had to cold cut turkey just cut all medications and i completely um stop taking all pharmaceuticals and over a period of time um my cancer went away so fast forward going to 2016 to um into 2017 i was diagnosed again with another round of cancer 
um, I was a stage four cancer and, um, I was on my deathbed. And at that time I was also going to school for herbology. And so I was actually just learning about endometriosis and I was learning about, um, cancer and the specific cancer that I had, but I, did not know at that moment in time that I had that exact cancer that I was learning about in school. And so I was basically, um, 2000, end of 2016, I was, uh, preparing my way to leave this earth. And, um, I knew that I didn't have much time left and, and that was really hard, um, going through that, that part, uh, and really kind of like honoring and respecting other people's feelings and emotions when you're dying and each person, um, deals with things in their own way. So there was people that completely cut me off and dismissed me, um, even my own family, um, my sister at one, at one point even distanced herself from me. And I knew it was because, uh, it was easier to almost like push me away than, um, so that when I did die, um, it wouldn't be as hard, I guess, to, uh, have me not there. So it was, uh, it was challenging. And then you have some, you know, that were just holding on and then some just already just like acted like you were just already dead. So it was, it was challenging to, at that time to really want to, uh, have the will to live and want to fight. Um, I was going through an abusive marriage at the time too. And so it was like, I just, I had absolute no will to live at that moment in time. And I was ready to go home. I was ready to uh, go be with my babies that I miscarried. Um, I was ready to go be with my family. I was ready to be free from the evil of this world. I was ready to be free from this pain that I carry and this ready to be free from cancer. Um, just all these things. And so uh, January, 2017, I went to Mexico with my dad and my grandpa, and it was basically my last trip. Um, this is where I wanted to go, um, before I died and one last time. And, uh, so I was down there and I'll never forget that night. Uh, I was sitting there, I was actually doing um, schoolwork and I was sitting on the bed and then all of a sudden I was getting attacked from all these entities and it was like they were putting all these suicidal thoughts in my head, um, showing me different ways that I could kill myself, uh, like they wanted me to jump off the balcony, go into the ocean, drown myself, uh, wanted me to jump into the swimming pool into the shallow end of part of it uh, or off from the balcony was so that I would kill myself they wanted me to slam my head into the the walls uh, there was so many things that was going through my head of all these visuals of um, 
ways to kill myself at that moment in time. And I just remember just curling up in a ball and grabbing my head and just like kind of like not yelling, but yelling in a way to my dad. It was just saying, just make it stop. And he came over to me and grabbed me and picked me up like a little girl and swooped me into his arms. And the moment that he swooped me into his arms, I was not here in this earth anymore. I was in creator's arms. I had left, um, went home and I was there and, um, I was given the chance to stay. And then I was given the chance to also come back. Um, but with coming back came with a mission and uh, a lot of things that I was told that I needed to do. Uh, one of them being what I'm doing right now, talking to you about ways, you know, healing yourself and being able to use that faith and um, seeing yourself healed. But there's, you know, other things that you do to uh, help yourself in the way to get yourself healed when you're trying to heal yourself naturally. But um, a lot of it does stem from faith. So I chose to come back here and it was for a brief moment in time. And what's interesting is that um, about Three or four years later, I hadn't really talked about it with my dad, but it, the the moment that I was gone, it seemed like I was in heaven for maybe like an hour, but it only maybe had been a couple seconds here on this earth. It wasn't that long. And the time is completely different. And my dad, we were doing, my mom was actually working on my dad with body coding and ended up this trauma, stored trauma ended up popping up from my dad um, that was tied to his daughter dying in his arms in Mexico. And that just to me just kind of confirmed that I wasn't making it up and that this really did happen. And that, you know, the subconscious, our subconscious is a uh, very um, in tune with our surroundings and what's going on. And so even though my dad, uh, conscious, he was not consciously aware that I died in his arms for a moment, but his subconscious was aware that I did. And so I, it was kind of interesting that that ended up popping up years down the road because my dad didn't even realize that that had even really happened. So coming with coming back was part of the mission too, is to show that we can heal from cancer naturally, that we can heal our bodies naturally. And that, you know, there are natural tools and there's things that we can do uh, to help assist us along those ways of healing um, and not having to always go to Western medicine. Um, so that was part of it. So my cancer um, healing, uh, when I got back, I ended up going into acupuncture. I was doing um, 
Reiki therapy. I was doing uh, vibration sound therapy, body and emotion code, um, doing massage therapy. Then I was also doing different forms of uh, physical therapies. Then I was also doing my own um, physical therapy of gyrotonic that I'm certified trainer um, using different medicines and herbs. I was seeing uh, several different uh, natural paths that um, because with uh, cancer and things, um, you can do blood panels and you can actually go and look and see at all of your uh, deficiencies. And you actually, anybody can do this, but it's really um, recommended for cancer patients too, to really see what vitamins and minerals and things that you are lacking. And so um, I did those panels and so I was actually doing cocktails um, is what you call them, where they're IVs, where it has all of um, your, like there was vitamin C's, there was vitamin D's, there was vitamin, uh, vitamin B's, um, all forms of the B's. Uh, there was amino acids, uh, potassium, um, so many other different things that I was lacking that was... Uh, going um, into my body that was helping me heal quicker and building my immune system up. Um, and so then that was helping with the cancer. So meanwhile, with this, um, by the time like 2018 comes around, I'm trying to get back into dancing because I'm a professional ballet dancer. So I was rehabilitating myself. I was getting back into dance. I um, also um, an athlete and a boxer. So I started getting back into my kickboxing. I started getting back into Tai Chi and Kung Fu. And um, I was doing weightlifting. I was training for uh, triathlons and I was getting stronger, but yet this pain was still like uh, really pronounced in my body even though I was getting stronger the this pain was just um really horrible it was through the roof but uh, I just kept mentally just pushing through it pushing through it and meanwhile I was also having doctors also saying okay this also because it's uterine pain that this also could be in your head so there I have also doctors telling me that this pain also could be in my head when um, as a dancer, uh, you are trained to know your body and to feel everything in your body as um, a robot in a sense. So that when you go to use a muscles or muscles to lift your leg, you know how to actually access all of those muscles inside of your body to be able to hold your muscle and hold the leg or to be able to move your body in certain ways. Um it's another form of like a, a robotic mechanics. And when you have things out of alignment, a dancer, someone that is really in tune with their body is really going to know that, hey, this bone's out of alignment. My hip's out of alignment. My neck's out of alignment. My feet are out of alignment. It's, you know, there's all these different little things that you can, you actually feel and pinpoint and um, it can be really frustrating with doctors in a sense because you know exactly what you want. But then at the same time, it allows you when you can actually like tune into your body and actually go, okay, this is what's going on. This is what I feel subconsciously. This is what I'm being shown. Okay. Uh, I like for the longest time, I kept feeling like, and I kept saying, 
it feels like my psoas is pinched in my hip. It feels like it just needs to pop out of the, the bone, like it's stuck in the hip. And I kept trying to tell this to the doctor, wasn't listening. And I've been fighting that pain since I was 17 when I was in a really bad car accident. My femurs were slammed uh, back into my hips and I had a 360 spinal cord hyperextension, meaning that my spine uh, flipped 360 degrees into the uh, uh, steering wheel and then snapped back into it while my car was spinning. And meanwhile, my femurs shot back into my hips. And so um, that was almost kind of like a stem of um, part of this pain that I've been having on my side of my hip. And so I, I've been advocating. So this it's so important when you are really trying to hone your healing and, um, uh, you know, figure out what's going on and you're really determined to get that healing, you really need to take control of, you know, that the, the rain and the driver's seat and keep fighting. And um, because there's so many times that if I would have just listened to the doctor and what they were trying to tell me versus listening to what my body was telling me, I, who knows where they would have taken me and it would have gone through a whole nother thing or surgeries that were not even necessary. And so I just kept staying true to myself. And, and the other thing I kept telling myself is that they don't, they can't make you do anything. So you, you, you're the one that still has to say and comply and say, yes, okay, we can go through with this or yes, I will do this. But at the same time, you can also say, no, I'm not going to do that. And what are they going to do? Um, I've fired doctors, uh, over a period of, you know, the period of six years, um, because things work. And then all of a sudden something comes up and then I'm like, nope, we're not, you're not hearing me. And I need someone that can hear me and advocate with me and for me. And I'm like, okay, next. And I would fire that doctor and I'd go do my own research. Then I start going into, um, my primary care doctor. And I would say, okay, you know what? I didn't like this person. Um, I went and did some research. I want this person. I want, I want to go see this person. Or um, I don't know what my resources are with insurance. So what doctors are available with my insurance? And so then she would say, okay, these are the doctors that are available. And then I would go do my research. And then I would go and I would look at each person and I would muscle test and I would pray in a sense of, okay, which person is going to spiritually hear me? Which person is going to be in alignment with me? Which doctor is going to hear me and be able to really like work with me so that um, we're just not doing this round robin egg and we can actually like get this ball moving and, and uh, rolling in my healing. And so if you have to advocate for yourself, if you don't advocate for yourself, you're just going to be stuck in this hamster wheel that I feel like where people just get stuck in and they're, they uh, become like almost like submissive to the doctors. And they're like, oh, well, the doctor says I have to do this. Well, the doctor says this. Well, the doctor says that. And I'm like, well, yes, they say that we don't always have to listen. Do your research. There's so many other things and so many other um, resources and get second opinions. That's the other thing is that there's been 
um, times where things have come up and I'm like, you know what? I don't like that. Um, it doesn't sit in alignment with what I'm feeling. So I'm like, I need a second opinion and then I'll go get a second opinion or I'll be like, nope, we need to do another MRI or we need to do another, um, scan or another blood test and I'll push for it. And then all of a sudden things will start moving and it will start showing up. But if I didn't advocate for myself and I didn't, um, uh, you know, push for those things who like who I really don't know where I would be at this moment in time in my healing process, I probably would be pushed onto um, my 20th surgery like they were trying to get me to do. They were like talking surgery after surgery after surgery after surgery. And it was just so much that I was like, no, I can I can do this naturally. So over time, I keep getting my blood work test and uh, shown and um, go back to my doctor. And I'm like, okay, look. And each time I go back to each one of these doctors with these numbers of cancer markers, um, then all of a sudden it was like they started looking at me and they're like, okay, she knows what she's doing. Oh, we're going to start listening to her. So it took a while to build that relationship with them. But now my doctors listen to me. I tell them what I need. I tell them what to do in a sense. Yes, they advise. And yes, I um, ask them still for advice and things like that too um, when it comes to it. But ultimately, I'm the one that's telling them what to do. So uh, back in 2018, um, I was doing kickboxing. My grandma had just had a stroke and she was overweight. And, um, somewhere in that time, um, I heard this loud pop in my hip and, um, I lost all of this muscle strength and, um, I knew something was really wrong in my body, but I just kept mentally just pushing through it. And I kept telling my doctor that something happened to my hip and she just kept looking at my uterus. She wasn't looking at the actual like, like full hip. And I, and I kept telling her and I'm like, the pain is on the left side of my hip. It's not in the center where the uterine is. It's on the left side of my hip. And, and I, it was really hard to lift my leg up. I was having to like pick my leg up to put, you know, even put your pants on, um, to step in and out of the car, to go upstairs. It was like, I had no, no muscle strength to lift my leg up. And so I just kept trying to push and push and push, you know, an advocate for myself. And, um, she, we kept doing all of these uterine, um, uh, MRIs and ultrasounds and things like that and imagings and we were finding cysts but it and little signs of tumor tumor still but at the same time it's, it wasn't where my pain was at and I kept telling her that it's on the left side of my hip so finally about a year and a half into pushing her to finally take a look at my left, I kept telling her this feels like muscle skeletal. And I was like, 
she was like, no, this is uterine. And I kept looking at her. I'm like, no, this feels like muscle skeleton. Like, like th this is, this doesn't feel like uterine. I know my body that I can't, I can't do anything like muscle wise. Like I'm having a hard time moving my body. I've been doing all these active things. And then all of a sudden, like, I can't, I remember hearing a loud pop and I'm like, I just, there's something in like, I had this huge bulge in the left side of my hip by my ovary. So she thought it was a cyst that was on my ovary. So finally press her to go do another imaging. But this time the assert, the insurance wouldn't okay the imaging unless I was considering surgery. So I had to play the game that, okay, I'm considering surgery. Meanwhile, I'm like, no, I'm not going to consider surgery, but we're going to consider surgery and talk surgery now just because uh, this is the only way I can get imaging done because the insurance is stupid. So um, I go and get the imaging done. She comes back and we sit down and she's like, I don't know what's going on here. And I'm like, uh, I need to go see an orthopedic surgeon. And I'm like, this is, this is joint. This is, I'm like, looking at all my dancer friends that I grew up dancing with, they're going, I'm like, I had could count of 10, 10 of my friends from Oregon Valley theater that are, have been going through hip surgeries over the past couple years. And so I'm like, I already know, like I've had all these hip injuries and things overstraining your body, overstretching your body for uh, 30 years um, does something to you. So I finally got her to send me to an orthopedic surgeon. Then I told her, I said, not only that, I want the top orthopedic surgeon that is in Oregon. So I did my research and I found out that my insurance, no, not yet. I just found the doctor. I didn't, my insurance did not cover this doctor yet. I ended up finding the top surgeon for the Portland trailblazers and the Portland timbers and, um, a couple other um, uh, um, sports teams. And uh, I was like, I told her, I was like, okay, this is the doctor. This is the surgeon I want to go see. He, you know, he knows athletes and I'm going to, we're going to do this. So my insurance didn't cover it at the time. It was $300 cash up front just to see the surgeon. So I get in there and I see the surgeon tell him my background dancer, um, everything that's going on. And he's the first one that's like, all right, we're doing um, x-rays right now and pops me into the x-rays and starts having me do um, x-ray imagings that you would actually do for a dancer, which is open pelvic, you know, um, x-rays. So, you know, your, your hips, you know, in the butterfly or, you know, things where normally the normal person doesn't put your body really in, but as a dancer in the having flexible hips, um, placed me in certain positions so that you, he would actually be able to see the placement of the joints inside the hip sockets. I kept trying to tell the doctors that it felt like my hips were, my uh, femurs were spiraled up inwards into my pelvis. Well, the imaging showed that what I've been trying to tell the doctor for the past four years was correct. My uh, femurs were spiraled up into the pelvis. Meanwhile, I had a uh, cyst on the top of the left femoral head. Then that pop that I heard was my torn 
psoas, the iliacus muscle. And for those that don't know that what this is, this muscle right here in the hip, these are your psoas muscles in the body that go right underneath the abdomen muscles, the abdominal wall. So these muscles right here, it snapped and was up in a ball up here, okay? So the imaging showed that I tore my psoas. And uh, when we were looking at the MRI, uh, the surgeon, he like pulled it up and he was like, do you see this black hole right there? And I was like, yes. And he's like, your psoas is not um, attached. This is part of your problem. And I was like, okay, here we go. Now we're talking surgery. So now he's like, okay, now we're going to do surgery and um, we're going to uh, put your psoas back together so that you can get back into dancing and um, recuperating yourself. Meanwhile, up to that point, um, I was dancing again. I was not supposed to be dancing. All of those activities that I just told you I was doing, I was not supposed to be doing. And if I told my doctor that I was doing all those activities, I would, I would probably have my head cut off right now. Um, there's no way I was supposed to be dancing again. Um, but I could not not dance. And so I pushed myself into dance. And I was back in my dance company performing and rehearsing three hours, four hours a day, then going to the gym two hours um, on top of that, then doing um, therapies on top of that. So meanwhile, I was going back into literally eight hours a day of physical activity, six days a week um, and with a torn psoas. And I like, I can't stress to you how important this muscle is and how Often you use this muscle every day without even realizing you are using this muscle until it's not there. Then you realize how important this muscle is in the body. So I have to try to get new insurance. So now I'm like, all right, we're on the ball. We got this going. We're going to do surgery now. I'm like, okay. Um, it takes four months to finally get new insurance to go through. Then it takes another two months for the insurance to go through and to actually submit and get everything okay. So by by the time July happened, I didn't finally get to get the MRI imaging that I was supposed to get done in July 2020 until two weeks ago. And so in the meantime, uh, my mom, one day she just looked at me and she's like, Rachel, why don't you just attach your muscle back together. And I just kind of looked at her and I was like, okay, attach my muscle back together. Is that even possible? So over the past seven months, I have been like every day in my mind going into my body and like reattaching and seeing the muscles like reattaching themselves together. Um, I knew it would work, but then at the same time, I 
didn't, there was this doubt that I had that it was even possible that you could grow your muscle back together like that. Um, so, but I kept doing it anyways, but I stopped doing all the physical activities that I was doing. So meanwhile, in the time, because of, I stopped doing everything I was doing, my pain level actually went up even higher. And I was just like, I'm just going to wait till I get the surgery and just keep wait waiting. And I just kept pushing through the pain and I would do, you know, I would do some, um, exercises and like more like physical therapy, um, because I had this big slap in my own face, uh, when I realized that my psoas was, uh, torn that, um, I should not be doing all the stuff I was doing. So I kind of slapped myself in the face and I was like, put myself in a timeout and was like, no, you're not doing this. Okay. Uh, you gotta, you gotta chill out for a moment. And, uh, so I go and do the imaging last week and I'm needle phobia, by the way. And I get in there and we, I get told that we have to do an x-ray first with um, injection of the iodine. And I was like, kind of like, okay, I've never had to do this before. Like I've had iodine injections. I've had uh, radiation injections for imaging, um, but I haven't had to have a x-ray with any of them. So I was just kind of like, okay. So I get in there. And I look at the desk and there's like, or the, the counter and there's like line after line after like all these surgical needles and all these things laid there. And I just kind of like, my eyes got big and I was like, took a big gulp and I was about to like go into like this panic attack, but I was like, no, just breathe calm. Uh, and, uh, so I just kind of sat there and, um, just talked to myself. And so got me on the table and they had the x-ray over the top of me. Well, they, what they were doing was they were doing Im uh, imaging for my pelvic area. So what they actually had to do to actually get the iodine into my body, into the hip was they had to uh, take my feet, pronate them inwards, tape them together. That way the femoral head actually turned inwards so that it created space um, in between the, the hip joint right there. That way they could actually get through the hip joint and into the hip joint to inject the iodine into the actual hip socket. Um, so they did that, it was painful. Um, <laughs> did not feel good, but I did it. And then I went into the Im imaging and usually I have really bad, bad claustrophobia, but I think because of the needles, um, I was already just kind of like in a meditative place. I do self-hypnosis on myself when I go into um, situations like this. So it really helps. Um, so I actually fell asleep in the MRI for 30 minutes and um, they got really good imaging. So I went to the doctor on the surgeon on Monday. So the imaging was Wednesday last week. I went to the doctor this Monday, went and saw the surgeon and go in there and sit down. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready for surgery. And he just kind of looks at me and he's like, 
he just has this weird look on his face. He's like, hmm. And sits down and he's like, sits at the desk and he's really just kind of like going like this and really like going through the imaging and he's really looking at everything and he's just kind of like scratching his head and and I was like so wh what are we talking with surgery and he's like uh i i i we're, we're i don't think we're gonna do surgery and i'm like oh i thought my psoas and he's like mm, it's torn but it's not like it was before. And he goes, and I'm not confident in going into surgery and it being worth going into surgery with what I'm seeing. And so I was like, huh, okay. Because <laughs> it's like dumbfounded. Um... So I was like, all right, well, uh, how about, um, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, I told my doctor last week, um, I advocated for myself. I was like, I need to get back into pelvic therapy. I need to, uh, you know, go and see a um, physical therapist. And um, so I started advocating for myself. And so I, by, by the point, by that appointment, I already had a pelvic therapy appointment set in place. And so I'd already like started shifting and moving things for myself. And so I told them, I was like, well, I'm going back to pelvic therapy this week on Wednesday. Um, and I'm doing this and I'm, I'm going to go back to massage therapy and doing acupuncture. And he was like, all right. And he goes, well, you see this here too. He goes, I, he goes, I really think with that car accident that you were talking about, um, your psoas has been, the muscle has been completely pinched in the hip socket, uh, since 2004. And so that's a lot of, dang, that's many years now. Jeez. Um, so my pain, my pain, you know, that hip muscle has been pinched for many, many years and I keep telling people that it feels like it's pinched and it needs to pop and it's stuck but nobody wanted to listen and it took it all the way to this point for finally this to get show up that yes it is pinched rachel knows her body come on um so now i don't have to have surgery and i'm like dumbfounded in a way um but not and it's just amazing that when we energetically and we actually just take the time to really talk in, to our body and hone in with our body that we can we can heal ourselves and also you know that faith in creator to be able to heal you is um you know, so important to that assistance of um, that healing. And even the impossible is not impossible. I didn't think it was possible that my muscle would attach itself back together. I literally thought I was going into surgery 
to attach my muscle back together. And meanwhile, my body has been doing itself. And it's kind of interesting that every time throughout my life, I've almost, I've been at the verge of uh, surgery. My body somehow is like, nope, nope. Okay. We'll listen. We'll listen. We'll do what you say. Uh, okay. We don't want to go into surgery. We'll, we'll, we'll heal ourselves. We're, we're, we'll, you know, we'll comply. Um, so it's like kind of interesting, but at the same time, it takes time. So I went, when I went to see my pelvic therapist this morning, um, I was telling her all of this and she goes, Rachel, she goes, you've been in this chronic pain for a long time. She goes, you're right. She goes, these doctors need to be patient with you. They're wanting this quick fix. It's like the world is wanting Rachel to have this quick fix of like, all right, surgery and answers done and problems over and move on with the life. And it's like, no, that's, that's not how uh, it gets to work for me. Um, I guess it's more of um, taking the time and learning how to heal myself and that it is possible and you can do it, but it takes a lot of patience it takes a lot of work. It takes um, advocating for yourself. It takes mental stamina, mental strength, um, because it is a mental battle to push yourself through the pain. There's so many days that I I could easily just go, oh, cancer and oh, my pain and lay in bed all day long and do absolutely nothing. Um, but where that got me before was it put, actually put me on my deathbed. Um, laying there every day in that way weakened my body and gave me no will to live. And literally, I died um, being in that state of mind. And so it's, you know, being in that place, you you start to... Uh, take every day as a gift and being grateful for all the trials and things that get thrown at you, good or bad. And um, being able to take that control of your own life and put those things into your own hands. Um, you know, it takes a lot of work. Uh, it takes discipline to do that because you know a lot of us want to put the responsibility on someone else and we want a quick easy fix or we want to put a band-aid over it and we don't want to do the diligent work every day that it's going to take um it's like i told my grandpa when i with this last round of cancer it was like he was wanting like this quick fix and i told him like i'm not gonna do the quick fix there's the quick fix is surgery and move and cut out. But the thing is, is that, okay, say I did do the surgery um, with the the uterine cancer and I let them give me a hyst hysterectomy. The thing is, is that it's all energetic. The, the emotions, the trauma, it's energetic trauma that's been suppressed into there and I've been carrying it. So whether you take the uterine out or not, that cancer would still return if I had not taken care of the emotional trauma that happened, especially being a rape victim, a rape survivor, um, multiple times. So there's 
that trauma that you carry in that place. And as a woman, you absorb trauma, you absorb energy, you absorb your emotions in the womb, in that sacral chakra, in your root chakras. And so you have to, you know, work on yourself and you got to um, advocate for yourself. You've got to, you know, there's so many times that I've done my own research and I was like, you know, there's got to be uh, other ways of natural healing. Um, what are those things? And so, you know, I do my diligence, I do my research, I do my homework, and then I go and I'm like, okay, let's try this therapy, let's try this natural therapy. Um, and then the more that you start energetically um, speaking that, uh, that healing into the universe, and into existence, then actually people will start showing up to you too, that are um, people that can actually help you. So there's been many times along this journey where I was looking for these people and then all of a sudden they showed up to me and I really didn't have to look very far for them. It was like they, the universe just brought them right to me and me to them. And so it was, it was the alignment. So when you, when you put yourself in that healing alignment too, then you'll actually start drawing yourself to these people that can help you through your healing. So, um, that you can have that assistance. I mean, I, yes, I can heal myself, but at the same time, I need help. I need help. I'll say that again. I need help. Because so many of you see me as so strong and so strong and Rachel can handle anything and Rachel can go through anything and um, Rachel doesn't, you know, have problems or all these things. Well, that's not true. I need help myself too, but I have to be very picky with the people I ask for help and I have to be um, picky with the people I allow into my sacred healing space. Um, because that's it's sacred to me and this journey of this healing is sacred and so it's like you have to be you have to be picky I'm extremely picky with who I allow into into that space I can't do it by myself if I could somehow step outside of my body and then look at myself then I would have I would be able to fix myself like no problem but I'm human and I can't do that. I've tried, <laughs> um, but uh, so I too have to put my ego aside and um, ask for that help and advocate for myself um, because I know I can't do it all by myself, but at the same time, I know that there's others that can help assist me along my healing journey and we have the power in ourselves to heal ourselves and you know yes western medicine does i'm not i'm not downplaying western medicine at all because it does have its purposes i have had to use it at emergencies um at times um in my life where it was necessary um, Western medicine is so important when, you know, like for imaging and things like that, when it actually comes to seeing like physical pictures of the body or blood, blood work and things like that, um, that, that is important. So it does, you know, it does play an important role, but when it comes to 
the pharmaceuticals of things and it's a band-aid it's a band-aid and so if you want to really like get into your healing and things you know you you have to learn how to advocate for yourself and do your own research find these people that can help you and you know look look for these natural um ways of healing so I'm a good person to come to for, um, I know I have lots of resources if you need help or advice. Um, I have my wellness center, Zemi Wellness Center, Indigenous Sovereignty. And I, you know, through my cancer journey in this last one, that's actually where Zemi Wellness Center um, was founded from, um, you know, that was part of my mission coming back here to earth was my, my wellness center and helping others have those tools, um, helping you get your reins in your own hands so that you can drive your own healing. Um, and, you know, helping you connect back to yourself and doing, you know, the deep core healing work doing, you know, that's what I love about the body coding and what I do is, um, releasing the emotional trauma without having to actually sit down and talk about it and rehash tag things over and over just to try to get somewhere but you're actually releasing the energetic um you know traumas and emotions and um even uh, ancestral things that we may carry that may be inherited you know releasing those things so that we can move forward and you know, and then we also work on our ancestral healing because a lot of the stuff that I've been going through too, actually, if you look down the line ancestrally, you'll, you would see a pattern, um, through my ancestors going back. And so that's the beautiful thing of this too, is that I've been able to help, um, you know, do that healing work for my ancestors. And by healing myself, I'm healing my ancestors, I'm healing my family, I'm healing the next seven generations to come. And so that's what you're doing, too, is when you're doing that healing work, you know, you're not just healing yourself, you're healing your family, you're, you're healing your ancestors, you're healing those that are not yet here, the next seven generations. And so I just want to leave it with that, that, you know, miracles do happen. Miracles are real. And I've experienced them numerous times throughout my life to not know they are not real. And that creator does uh, miracles for us when we have that faith and we have that drive and that diligence and that will to really um, push and fight. And as my grandma would say, warrior up. So warrior up. You got to warrior up. And, you know, in the time we're in now, especially like with COVID and things, um, I can't tell you enough that I even have to advocate even more for myself. Um uh, through my healing and things like that. Uh, I had to push, you know, if it weren't for me with the surgeon the other day, um, I'm the one that asked him to, uh, send me to another physical therapist for my pelvic. He didn't bring it up to me. I brought it up to him. So again, I advocated for myself, 
you know, and saying that this is what I need for my body. I'm not a lost cause. Yeah, it may take some time and you're not patient with me, but I'm patient with myself and I'll get there and it will happen. Um, it'll happen. I know it will. I'll get there. It's going to take some time. It's going to take a lot of work. Um, but uh, you're not going to keep this woman down. You can try, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I have no other choice. <laughs> I mean, I do, but I don't. I don't want to answer to the big guy upstairs <laughs> for not doing what has been asked of me to do. So, um, I didn't want to cry. <laughs> so, you guys, uh, if I can just leave anything with you today, it's that miracles, miracles really do happen. It's not a hocus pocus. It's not something that's only in the, you know, biblical and, uh, thousands of years ago or a hundred years ago, it's every day there's miracles that are happening. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a testament of, of being that cause I shouldn't be here. <laughs> oh. oh, take the, the reins in your hands. Drive the car. Drive your own car. Don't let someone else drive your healing. Okay? You can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. And it's just, you know, it's a cop-out if you say only Rachel can do it. Because then that's, that's an excuse that you're giving yourself to uh, back out. It's a it's a mental battle. It's a mind battle. You you got to push yourself through it every day. Whatever you're going through, whatever battle you're going through, you you got to push through it. I believe in you, okay. And if you need anybody to talk to, you can reach out. You know, I'm here. I know, I know what it feels like, and I know what it feels like not to have anybody to go to and to help. And on a physical plane. I understand. Okay. I will see you guys um, soon. It's going to cut off here in a minute. So you guys have a, a good evening. And thank you for those who tuned in and watched and um, listened. And you you have the power to heal yourself. Okay. Love you guys. The gum on gum.